You have the power to heal and change your life. You might not have found it yet, but it's out there and it exists for you. Our intention is to have a little fun while introducing you to various new ways of healing. Welcome to the Spill the Ginger Tea Podcast. Hi, I'm Angel Amy. And hi, I'm Lila. And today we're joined by Laura Plunkett, who is an animal communicator. Welcome, Laura. Thank you for coming. Welcome, Laura. So nice to meet you. So So nice to meet you. Tell us a little bit about how you began as an animal communicator. Well, I should probably start by saying I've been, I was a huge skeptic. (laughs) Oh, I love that. I grew up not having any psychic ability that I knew of. Um, when I was 35, I had some experiences of watching the Red Sox, watching the Patriots and knowing ahead of time, all of a sudden something would shift in me and (laughs) I'd be able to say to my husband, like, Oh, he's going to throw, you know, down the sideline. Oh, that's going to be a touchdown and things like that. And um, sort of freaked both of us out. This can't possibly be happening. Yeah. Um, And so I would say for a while I started to meditate and get quiet and try to feel my intuitive self starting when I was around 35. And I should say that my whole life I've loved animals and road horses from probably three years old. And so at some point, let me think about 10 years ago, I had a pretty major back problem Mm -hmm. and I stopped being able to be with horses the way I had been really out for a while. I was uh, bedridden. And so I had to think about how else am I going to be with horses or else I'm just going to shrivel up and die. I just felt so upset about it. And I started to think about animal communication. And I honestly am guilty of having made jokes about it, thought people were taking other people's money. But um, I'm used to that, Laura. I said, I'm used to that, Laura. Yeah. Yeah. So I, it it doesn't really bother me. I prefer not to be called a fortune teller. Uh, (laughs) Like Lila would love that. So, you know, when, uh, you know, gypsy, I'm okay about, um, (laughs) you know, I'm okay about it. Just the fortune teller mm, and the mind reader, like the mind reader I don't love. So I usually don't correct unless fortune teller or mind reader comes out and then I correct. (laughs) So I don't, I don't know if, if like you thought of it, did you think about it? Like, um, only one in like a million could do this. Right. So this is what happened. My friends got together and said, we're going to go out for a weekend and we're going to learn animal communication. We went to a little bit of a conference and um, I stared at the person in front and said, no one in this room is going to be able to do what she's doing. And then through the course of the weekend, got to see that almost every single person in the room got good information. Yeah. So I, I, you know, I'm a child medium and I was born with the ability to know things and know that everyone has this capability. So even from like a little girl, I remember not necessarily feeling special, but I don't mean it from a negative sense that I didn't feel special. Just knowing that we're all special. 
Um, but I love that we're going to learn more about how to connect to animals because my abilities and my gift are geared towards humans, but really energy is energy, right? So anyone can learn this. So if your friends invited you to an animal communication seminar, you must have spiritual friends, right? I think, as I said, I was starting to move in that direction from about 35. And then I would say I was in my mid forties when animal communication became a real thing. Got it. Okay. And I had an incredible experience that's quick. I could share, which is at this weekend. And one of the practice sessions I was given, uh, we were partnered and I was given a photo of a cat and this gentleman says here, and I know nothing about the cat. And in my head, I hear somewhere over the rainbow in beautiful music. And I look at him and I said, and I told him that, and he burst into tears and said, he sang that song every single night to his cat until she died. Uh, and I, love I that. thought there's no way. There's no way I could have made that up. Yeah. Um, And so that was really the beginning of my openness to this particular ability. Okay. And so where did you, so then you went to the seminar and then you just started to feel the calling. And what I would say is that it takes practice just like anything else. And so for anyone listening who thinks, oh, I've had an experience, maybe I could do this. You can do this. It is real. And the thing is, you need to value it and make time for it. And that's what I ended up doing. Beautiful. It is. Right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I have my own experience with Laura. Um, Laura came and spoke to my daughter's horse, who we have spoken about, Belle, um, pretty soon after Claire got her. And it's been such an amazing, so I have the recording of it. And of course, Claire and I remember so much of what Laura said. And as time has passed, it has just become like, oh, of course that happened because we know all of this about the horse. And it's, it, it's phenomenal. I mean, it's spot on. She said that she was a little conceited because she's very pretty and like that just tracks a hundred percent. Princess Belle. Exactly. There's nothing she likes more than people grooming her and telling her how pretty she is. And mm-hmm. all of the things that, you know, could be a challenge for her in terms of that she knows she's a good horse. And if you try and make her do something that she's saying, like, I don't want to do this, that that's going to be the problem that she does almost everything. So if she says, I'm not into this, which in particular for her tends to be like puddles, sprinklers. She doesn't like them. And uh, I witnessed firsthand like a trainer saying, no, we're going to get her through this sprinkler. And she was like, "Mm, no, we're actually not going to go through the sprinkler. (laughs) So stubborn. Yeah. Well, and she just said like what she had said to Laura was like, I'm a good horse and I do everything that you ask of me. So if there's something that I say, I don't want to do it. Just respect me, Mm. which is so beautiful in some ways. And it's so funny because you don't usually give animals that option of not listening to you. (laughs) Can I mention some memories I have of our time together? Absolutely. Because one thing that really moved me was that she said she wanted to play with your daughter. (laughs) 
on, you know, without a halter, without a lead rope, just leave me be and I'll run around with you and we can play ball. And then you sent me a video (laughs) of them doing just that. And I, that gave me such pleasure to know that she had been able to communicate that to you. And also then Claire followed through. And the other thing I remember, which comes up quite frequently in my conversations is she said, when she stands on that concrete on the cross ties that it was hurting her and how much better she was able to be in lessons once you changed what you were doing. And I bring that, I bring that second one up because this can be extremely practical, efficient, and uh, important. It's not just, Oh, you, you know, you've got a nice horse or your horse is feeling a little old, but the practical details, um, you know, can save lives, can change situations. Absolutely. Yeah. That's beautiful. So where do you, do you hear inside your body? Do you know, do you know the difference? So what I would say first is just, you know, where you start isn't where you end up. Right. Okay. (laughs) And so in the beginning, all I had was sort of like a ticker tape of information, or as I said, that song that came through, but it felt very vague and ghost-like in my head. Yeah. Um, But now when I'm in a situation, I can say to an animal, please make my body feel what you're feeling. Uh, And all of a sudden, like my right hip will hurt and we go touch the horse and the horse winces on that hip. Or another thing I can do is watch with soft eyes and see pain radiating off just if someone walks their animal by me. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I hear in my head, I see all kinds of, you know, so I would say now it's pretty lots of bells and whistles. Uh, But when I started out, I got a lot of useful information just in one simple kind of stream in my mind's eye. Okay, beautiful. So you're feeling kinetically inside your body, but also most likely through um, empathy. But I feel with you, there is some clairsentience happening. So one of the hardest things, so let me, let me go here. So most of you listening to this know that I teach intuitive development to humans. And what's beautiful is Laura teaches humans how to connect to animals. Yes. And so when I teach, um, intuitive development, it's looking at each individual human and how they connect to energy. So it's not like one size fits all. So I don't teach it how I connect. I teach it across the board. So clear sentience is the all knowing. It it feels like thoughts in your mind, but it 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 feels the same way as thoughts, but it has a different vibration. So we know after you practice and you do it for a certain amount of time, there's a different feeling between a human thought and a message from the animal. It just has like a a much the message from the animal has a much higher vibration. It feels lighter, right? So it's really cool when you start to do it. <laughs> Yeah, it's kind of electric. Yeah, like in a yeah, funny way. Yeah. When it first started to happen, Laura, I mean, what are you? Th- so you're watching, you know, sports games, and you're suddenly are, are you thinking like I should get into gambling or like what are you thinking <laughs> with this? I think that was my husband's first thought. Yes. Like, let's get a lottery ticket, uh, Laura. It's mine still. My <laughs> husband's first go to is yeah. <laughs> 
But it must be sort of when it starts to, you know, when you're like, oh, they're going to score and they actually score. I mean, what does that feel like? Because it's. Well, let me, can I bring it to the present a little bit? Absolutely. So I told you I've been a horse lover my whole life. And when I turned 57, I said to myself, if I don't do it now, I never will. And I went on a hunt for a horse Hmm. and I looked for about six months unsuccessfully just one roadblock after another, each time I saw a horse I might want to look at. And then I finally um, just sort of started praying. (laughs) (laughs) Please help. I don't know what I'm doing down here on earth. And knock me over the head by naming the horse spirit. So I'll know which horse is the right horse for me. So the next thing I did was go on a road trip to Pennsylvania and look at a very, you know, I'm not going to get into the details, but I was not trusting that I had always, and I'll show you this, always wanted my whole life a buckskin Mustang, okay? <laughs> Just look like this. And I was looking at school horses that were every color under the sun, different breeds, because I thought I just need something quiet because I'm 57, right? So I go down to a rescue in Pennsylvania. There are no horses there that fit anything that I, um, any, there were no horses there that I could have taken. And then we round a corner and the owner says, these are my private horses. They're not for sale. And I look and there she is in the field. (laughs) And I say to the woman, what's the name of that buckskin horse over there? And she says, oh, that's a Mustang. And her name is Spirit. <laughs> oh, Spirit. Oh, well. There you and go. I walk back to the car because I'm a rule, rule person. And I'm thinking, don't be rude. Don't be pushy. And then I open the car door. I close it again. I turn around. I say to the woman, I just need to tell you my story. I've been looking for a horse named Spirit. And you have a buckskin Mustang. And she says, and I've done nothing with her since she was rounded up and I'll sell her to you. Wow. So now I'll tell you the answer to your question um, of what, so what happened was you've got an untouched horse and yeah. I need to get her to Massachusetts. So I got quiet in my mind in Massachusetts because how are you going to get her on a trailer? Mm-hmm. And the owner said, me and my husband will trailer her. Um, but it's, I, we're going to have to herd her and, you know, herd her and it was pouring rain and they were supposed to leave by 1030. And so at about 830 at night, I get really quiet in my mind and in my mind's eye connect to her. And I say, honey, you know, if you could just please get on the trailer, I show her the trailer. So they go out, leave themselves a half hour to get her on the trailer they had backed it up to the gate of the pasture. They go out in the driving rain in the dark and there she is standing at the gate in front of the trailer. Left her whole herd. She's out with two other horses, but she wasn't with them. She was alone at the gate, soaking wet, not even under the overhang. And they opened the gate and she loaded onto the trailer. They had to back her off so that they could get it ready. And then they, they let her get back on and she got on. Wow. So when you say like, what's it feel like to get, you know, it was just, that's the epitome of what's possible. Right. And then we get to the, I I moved to go be with her with a trainer because I wasn't going to send her by herself. And I, so he trained me to work with her and she's terrified of trailers. Mm. We had to start from the very beginning. But that night when I told her what was at stake, she got on. 
So I'd like to speak about connection. And so you're talking a lot. That's such a beautiful story about connection. And there's, you know, a lot of animal lovers listening to this. And, you know, as an animal lover, we all live with animals and we feel very connected with them. But then this is like the next level. So this is how I feel with people. I don't take for granted my intimate, like the intimate energetic ability that I have. Mm -hmm. I honor it. I respect it. And I, I f truly feel it's a blessing. And so all humans have the capability to connect to animals this way, where you could have an enriched life of connection with your animal or an enriched life with your connection with the humans that you live with or the humans that are around you, where we can connect to them through space and time. And so I just wanted to add to your beautiful story. I do this with the deer. So, so I, Lila will love this. I actually don't have any animals and I don't have any animals. I love animals because I go from thing to thing to thing and it wouldn't be fair for me to have an animal. And so I, I, that's why I choose at this point in my life not to have animals. And my husband agrees because we go from thing to thing to thing. Um, but I do live in a very nature driven area. And so we get deer, wildlife, all kinds of beautiful animals. So I call the deer in, in my mind's eye and I just, I just love it. And I don't even like, um, think of myself like an animal communicator. So I guess most people don't. Uh, Maybe after today you will. <laughs> yeah. Lila, do you do this at all? You connect into those turtles. Do we need to bring back up the turtles? <laughs> I don't. <laughs> you know, I, I mean, I, I think that, you know, it's really just based around that like time and, and stillness, you know, like that, especially, I, I mean, I think it would be different in the horse situation because I'm very, I try to be very aware of my own energy when I go to horses because I, I feel like they're, but like my cat who's just lying around, like, no, I don't think. Well, wait, wait a minute. Wait a minute. You rescued a cat off the rail trail. I did. And like, I will tell you that not only did I. Uh, uh, so we had a cat, a different cat that we had found in our backyard. My daughter found it. We took it in. He was a grown cat. And the rescue that trapped him for us said, we'll only trap him if you'll keep him. So we're like, fine, we'll keep him. He was like an old cat. He just wanted a nice, warm place to lie down. She loved him to bits. He was old when we got him, got sick, passed, you know, had to be put down. One week later, I'm on the rail trail running. And for the first time ever, I see a cat. And I'm like, God, that's so weird. You never see cats out here. And I keep, it's an out and back, so I keep going. On my way back, there's the cat. He's on the other side of the rail trail and he's sitting there and he's like waiting. And as I slow down, he starts meowing, talking to me. Yeah. And I'm like, oh my gosh, what a funny cat comes right up to me, stands up on me. Like bizarre, like cats don't do that. I'm like this is the funniest cat. And so because the girls were sad, I actually went home, ran home, got the girls, drove back there and brought them to show them this funny cat. Like, ha ha ha, isn't he so cute? We snuggled with him. 
We left like two days later. My daughter Grace is like, do you think that cat it starts raining? She's like, do you think that cat is still out there? And I'm like, no, he was somebody's cat. He had a collar. He had a name tag. So I'm like, no. Well, it's raining, so it, I can't get it out of my head. So I'm like, well, let's just go. We'll go and see if he's in the same spot. Go to the exact same spot. Sitting right there is the cat. He knew you were coming. <laughs> That's what Laura and I are going to tell you. And he picked you. Oh, he totally picked us. I mean, no doubt about it. I called his owner. They had moved. They had left him on the rail trail. And I was just like, how can you do this? Like, how can you leave him? I'm like, okay, fine. Now we have a cat. <laughs> he knew he knew that if he if he went back to that spot you were coming it's it was crazy she, mama's coming for but me. what was funny was that actually <laughs> our mutual friend had seen the very cat the day before and he was talking to everybody like will anybody stop <laughs> are you my mother <laughs> exactly may the real mother step forward <laughs> and i was like oh, okay i guess this is my cat yeah but we've had him ever since and the funny thing is he's never once tried to go for the door he's like oh i know what it's like out there. I'm, <laughs> I'm not good. going i'm staying oh that's crazy but Lila, you yeah. mentioned something really interesting the thing about um, watching your energy mm-hmm. and and working with it when you're with horses, you said. Yep. Um, and I and I do think that animals need us to pay attention and to watch our own energy. And and I have a little story from this morning. I was walking out of the barn with Spirit, and I had been thinking about a friend that I've lost recently. So I was pretty sad and she was fine. Her ears were forward. We're walking along. And then I get out of the barn and I run into someone I haven't seen in a long time. And my voice goes up an octave. This is all in hindsight, I notice. And I'm like, hi, acting very cheerful. And I look over and she's got her ears back like this. She's miserable. Her jaw is tight. And so I stopped and I said to the people, oh, I did it again. I'm sorry. I um, was feeling sad and she knows it. And now I'm faking that I'm fine. And I'm sad. And her ears went forward. Boom. And then I was able to say, but I'm completely excited to see you. Glad to run into you. And someone might have said, oh, look what a brat she is. Or um, she's being uncooperative. But no, she didn't really want to be standing right next to me when I was being fake. That's really cool. Do you know what I mean? We have this opportunity for these animals to change our lives yeah. and help us be better. And so part of being open and, and um, Amy, you'll, you'll know this, that one of the hardest things is just quieting your mind enough to notice and to be open. Right. Yeah. So I have this little thing, a couple things that I do when I teach people how to connect. And the first thing is we need to, connect to our emotions. Um, I must say, I don't take everyone in my classes. I'm actually really picky because you have to be ready. And we also have to be ready. Um, uh, certain things need to take place so that you attract light and bright energies too. So if if someone's not ready, there's, I have suggestions. Um, but when to you're get re- ready to get okay. ready, yep, that, to, to get on the path, right? And so when you're on the path, even if you tap like the side of your eye, so not on the temple, um, in tapping, you, it takes you inside your body because you can hear it. And this helps people that say, how do I feel what, what I need to feel? And if you listen 
it, you can hear within yourself. The tapping on the face starts to take you within yourself. It's also very soothing. And so this is the first step is really listening to, you know, your, your feelings and how you feel and honoring them. And you just talked, Laura, about how you did know how you felt, but we tend to hide for other people. Yes. That's part of our society is I don't want, you know, these are acquaintance friends and I don't want them to know I'm sad, right? Where, you know, Lila and I have gotten quite close through this experience of this podcast and Lila and I now tell each other kind of like <laughs> oh, I'm having a yuck day. I'm having a great day. I'm having a blah day. Um, and it's very real, um, but it's, you know, a testament to these animals, how they can bring out the true authentic parts of ourselves that we, we hide in daily life. And so like we heard your cat when we first came on <laughs> and your cat was probably like, there's two new ladies on the scene. I'm feeling the, <laughs> these two ladies and you know, maybe like, what's this all about? I can't see them, but I can feel them. You, we, you know, you just don't know until you tune in and listen yeah. per your profession, which I love. <laughs> and I was just going to say, like, there's so many sort of practical purposes for this. I think about like animals that are in shelters and are sort of dismissed for behaviors that, you know, may or may not be like a permanent behavior that they would have or like how useful it would be for somebody with a skill like yours to come in and to help them, you know, because people at, at a shelter, I assume, you know, they make a decision like that, right? Like, yes, no, yes, no. And, you know, dogs are, you know, maybe rounded up from somewhere they'd been out, you know, and they could be scared or whatever. It just seems like it'd be very useful to have somebody talking to them. I believe that almost all animals can be rehabilitated. I don't know if you feel that way, Lara. I also feel that the majority, not all, humans can be re rehabilitated as well. <laughs> That's my own personal Angel Amy take. Yeah. Well, I definitely get the majority of my calls when there's an issue. Right. <laughs> Same here. <laughs> and yes, I I do think that sometimes rescues are one of the places that you see the most change immediately because they finally get to talk about their history. Mm. And so, for example, this week, I, this Saturday, I'm going to the home of somebody who uh, has a rescue dog that is lovely to all the family members except her. <laughs> and I imagine from my past experiences that when I talk to this dog, that in the history somewhere will have been a woman that looks like her or smells like her or something that was not nice to the dog. And mm -hmm. that once this dog gets to tell me about it, the behavior will change. It's just like people, they want to get it off their chest. Oh, Oftentimes wow. I might have to say, can you please look at your new owner and see that that's a different face, mm. right? That's a different energy. That's a different person because they carry the trauma forward. Wow. A lot yes. of barking, mm. you know, dogs that bark, dogs that, um, a trigger or a wound. Yeah. Right. But we can't really move forward until we move back a little bit. So you gently show them there's a wound, right? But now this, this is a new owner and a lovely person that isn't part of that wound. And some animals need to be told that. 
And humans need to be reminded of that too. (laughs) We do what's it called displaced anger. Like when we just get angry, but you're not really angry at the person. It's great when I look at someone and I say, you're not really angry at me. And sometimes it makes them more angry. (laughs) You think you're angry at me, but you're not really angry at me. Um, yeah, that's beautiful. So you go in and you tell the, you know, connect to the animal and just remind them that they're in a safe space and that they're loved in this new energy in this home. Right. It's both. I talk a lot about sending information and listening Mm. and it's first listening. So anytime I ever connect with an animal, I always say, what would you like to talk about? I make sure I don't know anything about that animal unless it's one of mine. <laughs> and um, so uh, if it's someone somewhere else in the country or another country, they send me a photograph. If I'm in the person's life, like with when I saw Claire and Belle, then um, I ask the owner not to tell me anything because that will get your thinking mind exactly. going, which is more difficult. Yeah. You know? And then I connect with the animal and I say, please start talking, like, tell me anything you want to know. I'm here with your mom or your dad or your family. And I let them start. And that's usually where the issue will come up. So it would be, I love my family, but I know they don't like my barking and I want to tell them why I bark or, you know, um, I love this barn, but I can't get along with any of the other horses or, you know, whatever it is. What is your favorite story? That you have or a favorite, like, just going to say, oh, no way. I'm a mind reader. (laughs) I love that. Oh, there are so many. I'll tell you a funny one. I was called to talk to two goats. They lived on a farm. They peed all over the yard. So there were yellow circles everywhere and they pooped on the deck. (laughs) Lovely. And so the deck every every day had to be swept and in between the boards was goat poop. And the owners were like, we want to leave you out and give you freedom, but this cannot continue. <laughs> right. So I said, listen, I haven't talked to goats before. Now I have talked to many goats and actually they're incredibly easy. They give up their behaviors easier than I would say dogs or horses. But anyway. Interesting. I talked to them. Yeah. And I, I said, what's going on? And the goat said, they love to poop on the deck because you can hear it fall. If, <laughs> if anyone knows about goat, goat, goat poop, it's little hard balls and they hit and they love to hear how much they're making. <laughs> and then the peeing on the lawn, they just, this is what they wanted to do. So I explained to them, your owners don't like it. These are the reasons. And the goat says to me, what do you want us to do? What are we supposed to do? And the owner said, go in the horse stalls. So Uh I have to tell these goats who are free range goats (laughs) that every time they need to go to the bathroom, they're going in the stall. And of course I always start by saying, listen, I am imperfect at this. I make mistakes. You have to filter everything you hear through my voice, through your own common sense before you act on it. Right. Right. And I also say to these people, listen, I cannot guarantee any behavior change here at all. Right. I get a call from the owners later. The goats are driving them crazy because every time they have to go to the bathroom, they stand in the barn aisle and they baa for the door to get open so they can go. They completely stopped their earlier stop. I mean, you can't even make that up, right? 
That's crazy. <laughs> that is hilarious. Now, tell me this as a, as a psychic. Are you telling them with your words? Are you telling them in your mind's eye? Are you telling them from from in, like intention inside your body? Are you visualizing a conversation? You know, I'm so into this. So for me, what I would say, and to anyone listening, is pictures are the best. Mm. It's a yes. universal language. Yeah. So in this case, all you would need to do is show them pooping on the deck in your mind's eye, right? Just play it as a movie. And then like with a big cross over it, you know, yep. like stop. <laughs> and then show them in the, in the stall, happy mm-hmm. going to the bathroom in there. Yep. So I think that's the easiest way. I think now that I've been doing this so long, it's probably more of just conversation, but yeah. the, but lots of my students, they just use pictures and it works awesome. And then the beautiful thing about that is you try it, you see the results in real life and you get hooked on the fact, Oh, I can do this. Yeah. It's rewarding, right? That it's, it's a result driven activity or result driven, um, life path or career path. I actually do this with in mediumship, I, you know, when your grandmother comes in or your dad, it's usually, you know, if cause of death is natural causes, then they'll, they'll stand. And in my mind's eye, I see things and see images and feel, but if someone passes from, let's say a drug overdose or a suicide, I actually have to gain trust. And so it's, it's much more work for me, um, but very rewarding where I visualize them at a bar and I take the person to a bar and we sit on a bar stool and I pretend we both have a cocktail. And then from there, I start to show them I'm human. I'm not perfect either, that I carry um, negative human emotions as well. And then the energy starts to open up and that's when I get the information. So it's kind of like my little trick is the exact same thing. And I could see why you have to do this with animals as well, um, just to, to get on their same energetic playing field and then you uplift from there right so that's really neat I'm glad you explained that to us thank you Laura when people start are they like with the animal like if you wanted to talk to your dog or cat do they have to be like in the room with you or can they I suggest not because it's so distracting oh okay so when I I I I have made an audio course called speaking soul to soul and when I when I built each exercise, it was always, you know, have a pen and paper ready, make sure you have enough time, find a place where you won't be interrupted, let your eyes close, let your body not hurt, get it, get it in a relaxed state. And I help people um, quiet their mind. And then we do the exercise. And I would say that that's really important because in the beginning, when I was learning this, you know, you get distracted, the phone rings or somebody says something or sneezes and all of a sudden, oh boy, I can't even concentrate anymore. I've lost the connection. And so, and now I can do it in a grocery store. You know, it's like you dig a channel and then it's, it's easy. But I think that, um, Starting out, it's a blessing to give yourself that quiet time. And here's the thing. Animals do this with each other all the time. They're good at it. Yeah. 
We just have to get good at it. (laughs) So the animal, wherever, if you have a dog and your dog's in the living room and you're in your bedroom relaxing, that dog knows how to send any messages as far away as you need. You just need to be able to receive them. So that's how I would describe why it's important to not be distracted, not be with your animal in the beginning. Wow. Mm, It's interesting. It is interesting. Yeah. Do you have any other stories you want to share with us, Laura? There are so many beautiful moments that are a point at which you realize that the person and the animal are understanding each other. So I want to try to remember a story where it's just that moment of connection. I know one. I was talking to a horse that had been an Amish cart horse. And those horses have a purpose, right? They have a job to do. And that might mean go 10 miles to town. And this horse had an owner who thought the horse was shut down, didn't like her. Um, The horse would, if you let the horse loose, would turn its back and try to get as far away from the person as possible to relax, didn't find it relaxing to be with her owner. So I get quiet in my mind and Of course, I didn't know this background at the time, but I'm trying to explain that what she said is no matter what she did, it was never enough. That's how she interpreted it. She had blinders on so she couldn't look or protect herself. She had to just go no matter whether it hurt or not. Mm. And if she slowed down, there was the whip. And so she didn't matter. She was a vehicle in that situation. And so the only rest she got is when they would put her back in her stall and she would get super quiet and rest or if she was out, but people were never the answer. And the moment at which that owner really stopped taking it personally and thought, how do I become like, I could cry now. Like, how do I become that? I'm going to cry too. That safe space Mm -hmm. for this horse who has no hope that I'm going to be that it became, I'm going to, scratch her just where she wants to be scratched. I'm going to give her a carrot. I'm going to ask her to do something that takes two minutes and then we're done. You know, all the things she could do, uh, sit there and take a, there are these fly squishes and just keep the flies off her, you know? And so that was a moment at which they were able to stop this impasse and start to befriend each other. And it's, that's the kind of magic that it just warms your heart. That is magical. It is. I know. It is beautiful. When I was in my 20s, we we had a family dog. His name was Dylan. And he was a golden retriever. So he was a redhead. (laughs) And we're all like redheads in my family. Um, So we called him like the fourth fox. So my maiden name is Fox. There's three of us. And then Dylan was the fourth. And um, around six or eight, I think it was eight, he had kidney disease and he went into kidney failure, which is kind of common with Goldie's. And he was very, very, very um, special, very intuitive, very, um, I remember energetically, I actually felt he was my sibling more than my human too. 
And so he, like if he had lived or had a different life, um, he would have been a therapy dog. He came to us at two. So we had him from two to eight. So when the day came, we had to put Dylan down. Um, my mom and the men left my brother and my dad couldn't handle it, which is fine. And my mom and my sister who AKA are the strong ones at the time, um, just couldn't emotionally just were, were done. So I get Dylan into the car. I, I put my mother and my sister in the car. I drive and I take every, the four of us to put him down at the vet. And when we got to the vet, my mom is very, very strong willed woman. And my sister is too. They both looked at me and they said, I can't go in with them. So I went in with them. And he, the, so I, I told him, um, with my words that this is your end of life and I'm going to cry. Oh, I'm going to cry. And I am going to help you cross over. And so, oh, we can take this out if we have to, Lila. (laughs) Oh, so I, um, knelt down on the floor next to him. And he started to cross over before he was ever euthanized. He just, he knew. And like, I just remember energetically going with him. But I had such peace because his passing was peaceful and he didn't suffer. So I've kind of taken that. He taught me that now moving forward, especially with humans, that I I just feel my own personal belief system is that no one deserves to die in pain. I believe that animals deserve to die with dignity, and I believe humans deserve to die with dignity. And that's just what Dylan came to teach me, among many <laughs> other things. I'm sorry I made you cry. Um, yeah. So he was a beautiful soul. And so I've had a few surgeries in my lifetime because I am in now my late forties and those things happen. And every time he comes to me, Laura, and he lays next to me, like I can feel him. Um, I mean, I am a medium, we know this, but it's just, just everyone, anyone listening to this, if this makes it onto the podcast, Just know your your deceased animals are with you at all times and just thinking about them calls them in. And so I hope that brings someone peace that's listen you know, that's listening to this. Because it's hard to lose our, our pets and our animals. Um yeah. So on that bright light note. Sorry, Lila. <laughs> All right, Laura, sorry. now we need to have a story. <laughs> sorry. Like we can so take that out. I'm so sorry, Lila. You know, in some ways that is a happy story because you I did what your, what your dog really needed from you and you were there and your dog wasn't alone. I think that's very, very beautiful. Thank you so much. Thank you. It's just leaning into like it needed to be about him and not the humans. Right. Because, of course, we would keep him forever, but that's not what he needed. And I think he can teach us all that is like Mm -hmm. how to release someone you love with love. It's so hard. It's, you know, when they punch you in the face and you hate their guts, it's like like really easy to be like, bye, Felicia. But then when they're just like these like beautiful, soft little, you know, animals or Dylan was like 90 pounds, but, you know, he, he was he was a really I almost said good person. Like, I feel like a person was inside of there inside his body. 
Yeah. Well, I think that's one thing about animal communication is that you start to realize these animals have a full range of emotions, full life, memories, hopes and dreams, a reason for being with you, um, aches and pains, wishes. There's just this this huge amount. Sometimes when I have a new client, I speak to that animal for a whole hour, Mm. uh, usually, because they're so it's so rich. What, so what do they take you through their day? <laughs> I'm not being fresh. That, oh, that was a long time with the pet. Usually happens. Usually I will, when a client calls, I say, you know, start making a list of your questions and your concerns. Ah. Because after I listen to what the animal wants to say, then the person gets to ask anything they want and also tell the animal anything they want, Right. But oftentimes what the animal talks about is the person's list because <laughs> they're not stupid. And so by the time I say, okay, and what questions do you have? A lot of times a person will say, well, I just have this one little thing. I'm going away next week. Can you tell them? But other than that, you know, the things that are of monumental importance or um, oftentimes an animal will start by saying, um, I love my owner, but we're having some miscommunication, <laughs> that kind of thing, which is a yeah. nice euphemism. Right. <laughs> Um, yeah, so they get it and they know what they want to talk about. So not, not, it's not usually what I do in a day, like you said, but it is the brass tacks. I had, I had a, a dog in France. You won't believe this story. I just, I love, there's so many different stories, but dog in France says she's making me this absolutely disgusting food that is meat covered in fat. And I had to say this to this woman I've never met. She's on the phone with me and I say, I see this bowl and it's just, it's almost like a little bit of a hamburger cooked. And then there's just this fat, <laughs> you know, thinking she's going to think I'm crazy. And she says, oh yeah, the vet says he needs more fat in his diet. And so I'm making these things. And then I had to say, you know, you, this, this is why he's not eating it because it's just disgusting to him. Yeah. It doesn't so like it's it. very, it gets very funny. It is, I'm sure. And so they teach us to how to meet them in the middle and yeah. or meet them where they are, right? How to meet the animal where they are. Mm-hmm. And then also um, how to have a deeper understanding um, because a lot of people get, find themselves in a control, like a control battle, like with animals and it just becomes about control. Like who's winning. You're not doing what I said. (laughs) And instead we could just meet each other in the middle. Do your cats do this? Well, now we've, we've, we've brought a Daisy into your life, right? Lila. (laughs) Well, and that's, you know, one of the things that I'm trying to do differently with Daisy than I've done with any other dog is trying to, as opposed to, you have this weird mentality, I think, like, you got to make the dog do what you want. Like, a well-behaved dog does exactly what I say, no matter what, you know? And and she's very sort of timid. And so if you, you know, raise your voice or anything to her, you know, she's like, oh, and you feel awful. So I'm like, oh, God, I had to make a point of never doing that. But just allowing it to be okay that she doesn't, like, snap to what I say, no matter what, you know what I mean? Like, obviously if she was like running out into traffic, like that would be a different story. But most of this stuff is like, stop eating my shoe or, you know, (laughs) I mean, it's, it's pretty trivial. Um, 
But it's a weird mindset because you don't you you think a well-trained dog just does exactly what you say. No, no matter what. <laughs> right. And it's very one way. Yeah, totally. That's what way. we're learning from Laura. Right. All of us <laughs> is, is a two way street. The number one thing that I run into when there's what we would call misbehavior is pain. Oh, which then makes the animal irritable. Is it physical then, pain or emotional pain or um, energetic? Most pain? often is physical pain. Okay. Interesting. And that could be for cats too. You know, she's really snappy. She's this. And then I get quiet in my mind and the cat has a terrible stomach ache or oh, has no. some kind of issue that you can't see. So physical pain is a big one. And I would say to people listening, you know, trust your gut. If you feel like there's something off about your animal, then really try to pursue what you think that might be and get it looked at and taken care of. Um, So, yeah, physical pain causes irritability, which then causes, you know, anxiety, which then causes barking or kicking or scratching, whatever happens. Because when an animal feels less than, it's that kind of, thought of a wild animal trapped in a corner or trapped in a trap, Mm -hmm. they get frantic and then they, their personality changes. Do you know what I'm saying? I'll talk to um, a horse that people label aggressive and it turns out they've got like a monumental headache and it's because they slammed their head against the trailer and now the bones of their head are slightly off. And so they've been not right since, but you go to a chiropractor or you get the vet to do an x-ray and all of a sudden you realize, oh yeah, this is what it is. And you fix it. And the personality goes back to what it was before. Wow. Yeah. So I tell my husband that the reason why I can't pull the lottery numbers (laughs) is because I would take all the money and release the orcas at SeaWorld and set them free or, or hire people that could gently get them ready to be released, right? Because um, I'm sure that's a process. So uh, we don't have to lean into that because we don't need to be sued by Disney, but uh, whoever, whoever it is, whoever owns SeaWorld. Um, but I, you know, I just think that... Um, animal this is this opens all of our eyes to how sensitive animals are and how maybe ignorant we are as humans and how like this is 2022 and we're on we you know right now we're kind of touching the surface with this but this little gen z's and alpha generation are built for your world like this is the, they're they're right in tune with the animals and communicating with them and feeling the vibes, they're, they're just, they're going to take SeaWorld down. You wait. <laughs> <laughs> That's my own personal opinion. I get a little passionate. Yeah. So this was great. Yes, it was. I know. So glad you came today, Laura. I've really enjoyed it. Yeah. So how can people find you, contact you, learn about more, you know, learn about what you do? So I have a website. It's www.lp, Laura Plunkett, lpconnections.com. And that has some great resources. There's a blog. I try to write about things that will help people do this work. Uh, We have a Friends of LP Connection Facebook group so that people can write in and ask questions and help each other with their animals and practice. 
Awesome. And then I, like I said, I have this speaking soul to soul audio course that's available. And so, and what I would say about that course is that it's important to understand everybody can do this. You don't need a course. You have an innate ability to open. Sometimes having someone lead you through it, as I did that first weekend, helps you unlock it. So if you're listening and you feel like, I just need a tool, I just need a next step, then this would be um, a way to do it, which is go and there's a video on the website that explains what you get. And um, we were just joking before the before the podcast started that I'll, I'll put a coupon in. If you write in ginger tea, you can have 25% off. So it's the, the audio course will cost 75 yeah. instead of 95. Thank you, Laura. I know. Thank yes. you. So we'll do that for listeners. And um, if you take anything from this, I just think it's start to be open in your heart, quiet in your mind when you're around any animals. Like you said, it could be the deer, it could be a bird that lands near you, it could be your own animals. But the more that we just become present and pay attention to what they're communicating, Mm -hmm. it just opens up a whole new heart space. And it's really a beautiful experience. And it's uplifting. Yeah. And it's hopeful, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for being here and thank you everyone for listening and we hope you found this enlightening. Um, Please be sure to subscribe to our podcast so we can be found wherever you get your podcasts. And if you would subscribe and share with a friend, that would be fantastic. And you can find us on Instagram at Spill the Ginger Tea Podcast. So if you have any questions or comments or suggestions for topics, you can write us there. Just send us a little DM. You can follow me at AngelAmy1123 on Facebook, Instagram, on social media, and my website, myangelamy.com. So I'd love to hear from you. So until next time, be well. well.